Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most artistic, athletic, tenacious, basically unique and interesting people in the world. Everyone has a story, each person a scholar. Welcome to season three. As we continue to seek out some of the most unforgettable humans, some of the most memorable stories, in the first two seasons, the show featured guests from over 60 different countries and will continue down that path because it is imperative that we cherish the differences. And we can only do that by getting out and journeying into unknown frontiers, whether it be physically or simply through conversation, sharing lovely experiences and saluting the tenacious and resilient guests. Fantastic episode for today with a truly one-of-a-kind individual. Musician Derek Waldman, known as Man of the Forests joins the show. Can I interest you in a reggae violinist who was first inspired by a Red Rocks performance by John Tesh? Now that may sound like a bunch of pop culture mad libs, but it accurately describes today's guest. For the Colorado native, the violin has long been a part of his life. And as a child, he was first introduced to reggae and rock artists such as Bob Marley, Sublime, and 311. He was loving the lyrics transformed by the sounds. And as he attended live concerts, he noticed the lack of violin in reggae. And it became his mission to do just that, incorporate aspects of violin into the reggae music scene, which he's been able to successfully do in 2020. He collaborated with one of his favorite artists, Alithic, and they released their first track, Hotep, a mysterious and high-energy jam. The duo's second track, Deep, came out the following September. The third track was their biggest to date, and it was a cover of the classic 90s alternative song, Bittersweet Symphony, which also featured vocals by Johnny Cosmic. Derek continues to collaborate, release songs, and tour with many artists in the reggae scene, including events planned with artists such as K-Bong, Johnny Cosmic, Bonalia, and Olyphic. I had such a blast chatting with Derek. On today's conversation, you'll hear him share the story about his violin beginnings and how his mother played such a key role in his musical development. Derek also explains why reggae is important to him and how, in the oversaturated world of music, how it's still possible to stand out and be different. Lastly, Derek reflects on his career we chat about some of his most memorable experiences on stage. Absolute blasts and delightful conversation with Derek. Prior to bringing him on, we're going to play a sample of the track Hotep. And towards the end of the episode, we'll play his version of Bittersweet Symphony. Excited for everyone to meet him. So let's go ahead and bring on Derek Waldman, known as Man of the Forests. And let's learn. So it's been, I saw the Olympian thing and I was like, dang, man, you're, you're crushing. And, and the diversity is really key too, because you get so many different points of views and, and, uh, you know, little, little spices of life from everybody. So, well, I'm, thank you for, thank you for listening. And, uh, I think the diversity for me is what I am proud of the most of just being able to talk with a musician one day and then tomorrow be something completely different. So it's always, yeah, um, it would probably get boring if you're just talking to 583 musicians or what. <laughs> 
thank you for joining me, man. I'm really excited to chat with you today. I, I'm curious, as a musician now, what were your earliest musical influences? Wow, man. Yeah, I, uh, it's a pleasure to be here, first of all. Really honored to be on the podcast. Um, yeah, my first musical experiences really bring me back. I was probably five years old, and uh, my mom was, like, chilling at home. We were watching PBS and this program on John Tesh, who back in the day was kind of like a jam rock I got to say, you saying Don Tesh would be maybe the 1,000th person I would have thought of before <laughs> as far as the first influences. This is great. This is fantastic. No, no doubt. It's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of a strange, it, it like popped up on PBS and they were doing a Red Rock show. And I lived yeah. here in Littleton when I was a kid, Littleton, Colorado. I'm a kind of a Colorado native. Uh, moved here when I was two. And basically, like, I was just glued to the TV. They had this violinist on there that John Tesh was playing with. And I was just like stuck. I couldn't get my eyes off the TV. And so my mom decided me to take me to that Red Rocks show. And uh, it was this live at Red Rocks concert it ended up being like a platinum album that John Tesh put out. And it was like, man, it was just one of the most mystical experiences. I just remember going to the show and just the lights and the fog in the air and it rained that night and seeing the music and just hearing all the explosions of sound and light everywhere. It was just like one of the most breathtaking experiences. And it really gave me this sense that I wanted to make that sound and bring that to the world, especially with the violin. And I remember the violinist's name was Charlie Bisharat and he played on top of the rocks on the side. And that was like how he came out to the first song he's off the side and the light's shining on him and he's on the rocks at Red Rocks. And um, yeah, it was just one of the most beautiful experiences, man. I used to like practice with like a broom and a dustpan, you know, just with the motion when I was a kid. And then when I went to the concert, my mom was like, so do you want to get into it? And I was like, yes, I need to. <laughs> ah, gosh, so many, so many thoughts of that. First of all, I've actually seen videos of that John Tesh performance. Surprisingly, I can admit I've seen videos of that. And what, but what a great venue to have been at for your first concert. This is Red Rocks. We'll talk more about Red Rocks later, but just what an incredible experience. It was, it was. And as a young kid, you just don't really understand much around the world, you know, much about the world around you. And it's like getting to see Red Rocks, one of the greatest amphitheaters in the world and, you know, see such a live performance. It was, it was pretty cool because they had the Colorado Symphony there. So they had full percussion and horns and the sound was just so full and vibrant. And uh, yeah, it really was a magical experience for my first concert ever. I think my second concert was Rush at Fiddler's Green. Mm. And that was also interesting because there's so many hippies and I'm seven years old and I'm smelling, you know, smells for the first time in the world. Yeah. Certain smells. And uh, yeah, it was just really like I really kind of got a very unique sense of music at an early age. You seeing a violinist in that type of performance, that's a that's kind of the atypical route for violinists when they begin. Oftentimes they see them more in the traditional conservative concert symphony. So you're seeing them almost as a, as a rock star at an incredible rock venue. So for you, I'm sure it opened up a lot of ideas of the potential for a future. Yes. And he, like what Charlie Bisharat did with John Tesh was he really like delved into the solo um, capabilities. So, you know, the, the light would shine on Charlie and it would just be like an open spot and he would just rail this solo that was like just some of the craziest, coolest sounds you could hear 
his tone was so on point and his hair was flowing in the wind and he's wearing this cool suit. And I recommend anybody to watch that John Tesh live at Red Rocks performance. There are some really cool moments in it, but yeah, it really was that rock star moment. Like you said that at the time there wasn't a lot of violinists, like being that rock star um, personality. So it was, uh, it was definitely a unique and great experience. And my mom even like wrote, John Tesh and Charlie Bishrod after, and I got like little personal notes That's that cool. kind of engaged. And my mom and, and dad really pushed me at an early age to get me going with the music. And I, I remember like my first times like playing violin, I was so nervous, man, like to take the lessons. And as a kid, you know, like your job as a parent is just to make you comfortable and get you into those things that you want to do and make it easy. So my mom actually like picked up the violin with me at an early age and she learned like very rudimentary music with me. And I took off, you know, like a, like a rocket ship. And my mom was like, all right, I'm, I'm good. I'm done. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. And she was like, no, you, you can go on. So yeah, it was really cool. I had a lot of support and uh, my parents were definitely there to influence me my you know my dad was a huge led zeppelin fan and my brothers were big bob marley fans so i listened to like you know rush and zeppelin and bob marley at like seven years old and really like opened my ears to so much more music in the world than i think a, a typical young kid would get i agree i could already see the byline that would blow people away reggae violinist inspired by john tesh that's just a great <laughs> newspaper headline i think <laughs> Once you started getting into it, were there anyone else that you've tried to model yourself after? You're hearing so many different sounds, Zeppelin and Rush and everything in your life. So was there anyone you specifically model on aside from Charlie? Yeah, there's, um, there's a few different violinists. Um, so that, like the other main violinist that I was influenced by, his name is Stefan Grappelli. Mm -hmm. And he actually got his start with Django Reinhardt back in the day. And he was like a jazz violinist. So that really opened my ear to... Uh, a new way of playing because you hear violin it's very classical it's just you know background strings and stuff so to be the shining light and the focus was amazing and Stefan Grappelli actually ended up working with Pink Floyd and they did like an alternate version of Wish You Were Here with a violin solo in the middle instead of a guitar solo they ended up not using the violin solo but you can still find that violin solo with Stefan Grappelli on there so like I I've really picked up like that jazz violin sound that's like really riffing and filling in a lot of like strange spots and rhythms that the violin wouldn't classically pick up. Um, so Stefan was a huge influence for me. Charlie was a huge influence for me. And really musically though, I kind of just like really stuck on like Bob Marley and 311 was a huge influence because my brothers were from Nebraska and 311's from Nebraska. And like in the early nineties, mid nineties, it was, you know, 311 wasn't the band they were. They hadn't made it on the radio yet. So I remember listening to 311 and it was like this gritty reggae hip hop rock sound. And uh, I was like, wow, what is this? So like, you know, I kind of wanted to replicate that. And I remember just kind of picking up the violin and jamming to like down and all mixed up and a lot of Bob Marley tunes. Like I remember my first favorite Bob Marley tune was uh, Buffalo Soldier. So I would just like, pick up the violin and I, the way I learned violin was I played by ear. Like my violin teacher couldn't teach me the notes. Like I couldn't understand how to read notes. It was so hard for me to like understand what was happening. So I would actually just listen to my violin teacher play the line or the song 
and I would just replicate it. So that kind of like brought me this sense of, of playing stuff by ear and hearing something and just attaching my sound to it right away. So I kind of just did that with like 311 and Bob Marley and Zeppelin at like seven, eight years old. And I was just kind of like, just doing my thing in my bedroom, you know, I don't think anybody really knew I was jamming to like 311. <laughs> yeah. Would you talk more about reggae music and how it's part of mainstream music as a whole? Cause I know traditionally, typically when people think reggae, they think of a certain sound, they think of Bob Marley, they think of Jamaica and that certain kind of Island sound to it, but it's so much more. It could be the tone of a voice, the inflection, and certain instruments that is basically incorporated in all pop music. I know you and I were chatting about even songs like artists like Drake have elements of reggae. So we talk more about it, especially because I want, there was another artist that I don't think you mentioned yet, but Sublime and how they've taken reggae. And I still even remember the first time I heard Down by 311 on the radio. You had the traditional people who were like, is this alternative? Is this rock? Is this hip hop? What is this? And it's just such a fusion of sounds. We talk more about how reggae music is important to you, but also how it's just widespread. Yeah, man. I think I think reggae, like the foundation of reggae with Bob, it has that traditional like offbeat, really chill islandy sound. Um, but yeah, it's like bands like Sublime and 311 came along. It really brought like the influences of hip hop and rock all together, and especially Sublime, man. Like Bradley was such a talent with picking up influences from this band and that band, like a little piece of the Grateful Dead and a little piece of Led Zeppelin and a little piece of um you know like the ziggins like old school punk from california and he would take and pick apart all these pieces and form his own nucleus of this sound and yeah man I, i feel like reggae has really taken off you know you have like hawaiian reggae and jamaican reggae which are more traditional sounds and then you have like that american reggae rock which back in the day was more 311 sublime you know i mean we all know like santeria and what i got but Man, Sublime has some really, really rad tunes um, out there on some of their other discography that just like, when you listen to it, you're just like, what is this music right now? Like, it has little influences of everything, and it's really cool. And nowadays, like, bands like Stick Figure um, and, I, you know, like Dirty Heads, and there's a lot of big bands out there that are really bringing like a new light to reggae with um like a fuller sound and like a little bit of electronica touches in there with you know like um really nice pads and 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 full sounds so i feel like there's always like an evolution with reggae that's giving it new dimension um and like there's there's female artists like hairy and vonalia that are like bringing you know female vocals into it and kind of like a you know a, a new a new vibe to it so I really like how, how reggae has just so much to offer. And the biggest thing too, to me is, is the community around reggae is so incredible, man. The support, the collaboration with artist to artist. You see a lot of artists like get eaten up with each other and they, you know, they battle with each other in like all these scenes. And it's like, man, if you guys work together, you can make the coolest track ever. And reggae is all about that, that collaborative, you know, universal love and help each other out kind of thing. And especially the fans, man, like everybody's just so loving and, and giving to the community. It's, it's a really cool place to be. Yeah. When your foundation's built on just being a chill genre, you know, you're gonna have a lot of success and a lot of passionate fans with it. And once you mentioned Sublime, I had that beat of slow ride going through my head ever since you brought it up. That's, that's definitely my favorite Sublime song. Just that initial drum. That's been in my head since you brought it up. Yep, yep, that's it. That's their, easily their best one. Easily their best. That that one, and uh, there's some really like funky tunes, man. Like the album Robin the Hood, 
mm-hmm. has some pretty wicked tunes on it. Step and Razor is like a classic, uh, a classic song that they redid. And um, there's this one song called Cisco Kid where Bradley's like using samples from the the old TV show Cisco Kid. So at the beginning, it's got like these horses. And then it's got like these old TV sounds and he gets in and it's just this nasty, crazy beat. And he's just rapping this slow, beautiful like verse about how he came into music. And um, yeah, there's definitely some, some really rad ones. Slow ride though, man, you're, you're right on that one. There's, there's something with some of those tunes that are just eternal. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, when I go to the gym right after this conversation, that's what I'm going to listen to. I'm going to put on Cisco kid. So I'll be thinking of you. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. So you are living a great life, man. You are, you're on tour right now. You're on tour with several different acts. So bring me up to date, man. What's tour life been like? Who are the artists you're with? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, it's crazy. I kind of got my start um, playing live in, at the end of 2019. I've been playing violin since I was six years old. And I kind of really only did like classical performances my whole life, played in orchestras and such. And violin just really, I couldn't find like a band or... Um, you know, people that played that like understood where it could be and how it could be a part of what they're doing. Um, and there's a thousand reggae, you know, I'm sorry, there's a thousand bluegrass violinists. There's a thousand classical violinists out there. Um, and once I started like listening to reggae, I was like, man, there's really no violin out there. This is kind of cool. Um, so I connected with this artist named Alific, uh, A-L-I-F-I-C. And he's, uh, he's been in the scene for quite a while. We met in 2019. He told me about this song he was working on. And he's like, man, I've been wanting a violin in there for so long. Like, um, I got this song, like, let's play. So I laid down this freestyle and he just took it and took it off. And like, we made this song called Hotep. And it's like an eight minute jam. That's just like, it's just blasts of horns and violin and dubbed like you know all these dub effects and stuff and Olympic really got me started um we played a couple shows right before COVID hit in 2019 in late 2019 and you know like February 2020 COVID hit and we were kind of planning some shows and stuff kind of just shut down all of a sudden and um we ended up just kind of doing all these like little backyard shows and uh that was kind of the cool thing about COVID is like music didn't stop necessarily. It just stopped at venues. So now all these little backyard shows popped up and there's a new light shown on people that want to get out there and just grind and work their butts off while all the big musicians are taking a break. So me and Olympic went out and like go to these shows, you make connections with other artists. Um, And I've been a long time stick figure fan. I mentioned that band before. They're kind of like one of the bigger reggae bands out there. And uh, there's a couple guys in the band. One guy's name is uh, K Bong, Kevin Bong, and uh, the other artist's name is Johnny Cosmic. And those guys are brilliant minds, man. And I met those guys, you know, through my short time, you know, playing live performances and doing these backyard shows. So eventually, kind of like Olympics had some time with K Bong and Johnny Cosmic, and they've made tunes. So all of a sudden, we're like this synergy of musicians that are just like, hey, we could be playing together what can we do and um so we've all been kind of creating and then johnny like told me about this other artist that i've been that i've been hearing about um and her name is vonalia um there's really not like a huge presence of females in the reggae scene so she kind of came out of nowhere with these covers that she was doing ukulele and he was like man i really think you could like fit with this with this sound that she has i think you just like really fit with her 
And then it turns out like a year later, I met her at a backyard show. I just put my violin up to a mic and we started playing a couple songs and boom, it was magic, man. We had people tearing up in the crowd and like, it was like, well, we need to keep doing this. So Alific, K-Bong, Johnny Cosmic and Bonalia, those are all the artists that I collaborate with and play live. Um, we actually just had a K-Bong, Johnny Cosmic and Vonalia tour. So I was playing with both of the artists I make music with at the same time. And they both have brand new albums that just debuted. So it was really, really cool, man. Um, yeah, we just kind of went out there and venues kind of started opening up again. So it's kind of the time to get music in people's ears again. And, you know, we're all in this together and like, you know, to, to get um, that relief of music and that like that breakaway where you can just go and enjoy the night, and not be thinking about your personal life or all the worries in the world. And you can just break into your own community be around the people that you love again. I feel like that's really what, what this live music's been all about. And um, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been really cool collaborating. I've done a couple other songs with a couple other artists out there, but really that's like the main focus is to be working with these guys. And then when a, when a good song comes up with other people, I really like look for that one song. So I made the song with my buddy, Aaron Wolf called create positive. And it was a really great message to, um, to what we all want to do in the world. And especially in these times when it's just so heavy, like we just need to go out there and create positive for each other. So it's been really fun collaborating and working with all these talented artists and especially some of the brightest lights, man, just some of the most positive people you could be around it. It's really uplifting. Very cool. Very cool. And you've, you've used the word collaborate a lot. I know that as a violinist, that'll probably be the, your journey and your whole musical career. It's going to be a lot of collaborations with a lot of different artists. Performing with a lot of different artists could bring up some additional challenges because it's, it's never anything the same for you. You're not doing the same routine over and over again. So for you, I'm sure that's an extra challenge mentally. So how do you get yourself in the right frame of mind, especially knowing that, that every show is different? Yeah, man, I, every show is different. Every venue has like different energies, different people coming in, can be a huge show, can be a tiny show. Um, a, I always look for each show to be the same. I'm out there to have fun. I'm out there to share the stage with great people. And it's not a time to get nervous or uptight. Um, or in your own head, a lot of musicians can like, just be like sinking back and hanging out in the bus and like just thinking and overthinking is not what I try to do. I really try to just like live in the moment, hang out with the people that are there early at the show, the other artists that are there at the show, um, and take my time to just really like be in the setting. And, and like, um, I really enjoy being in these venues, like just seeing all these different experiences and stuff. So, uh, I'm, I'm kind of like a different musician where I'm like out in the crowd. I'm out like during the show. If I'm not playing that, I'm out there in the crowd. I'm seeing it from the fans perspective. So I really like to just live in the now and just like take that overthinking perspective and just like be there and be present. That's kind of my biggest key is of these live performances. Thus far, as you look back on your career, which of the performances or locations or songs that make you the most proud? Yeah, I mean, um, one of my most proudest like songs, well, one of the proudest songs I have is uh, I think Bittersweet Symphony. I released with Olyphic and Johnny Cosmic. We kind of redid um, the Verve song from the 90s. And yeah. It's like a classic violin line. Everybody knows it. Um, it was an all decade song. So to try to bring life back into something that's already been done so big was like such a challenge me and the lithic started off as an instrumental track and we just brought like all these elements into it 
And then Johnny Cosmic ended up wanting to sing on it. So he threw down on it and it just like tore the roof off the building, man. It all of a sudden just became this skyscraper of potential. Um, and then once we released it, man, it was just like all these comments were like, man, you guys killed it. Like that's even better than the original. And when you hear that, on such a great song it really felt like so much justice had been done to it and it wasn't like just covering it to cover it and have the popularity of the name of the song it was covering it to bring new light and love into the music so yeah bittersweet symphony was a pretty rad moment um and yeah i mean venue wise i uh my first show ever was like public show was at the belly up in san diego um pretty big venue like you know 600 people or so it's a really beautiful place just really cool vibe everywhere um and my first show was there i remember uh like just being so like lost and how ethereal the vibe was like the everybody looking at you and the sounds and the lights and stuff and finally living what i saw as a kid and being there on stage was like wow here i am like here i am doing it and we actually just played the belly up just a few weeks ago um, with another sold out crowd. So it was just cool. Like my first time doing it was like such an experience. It was like, I was kind of lost in like how magical and mystical it was. And this time a couple of weeks ago, I was just like so honed in and focused and like able to be present and like take it all in finally. So it was really, uh, it was really a special time to go back to belly up out in San Diego and, and relive that experience again. Very cool. Well, have you performed at Red Rocks yet? I haven't. Okay. Um, Red Rocks shows kind of like took a, a real heavy downward. Yeah. There's like no music at Red Rocks um, yeah. for the last like little bit and it's been coming back, but um, a lot of the artists that I collaborate with haven't had the chance to get back to Red Rocks because they're back booking artists that have already had shows. So I'm really like, that's really the, the one that I'm looking forward to, man, like being my first show ever. Um, and also I've been to so many shows there just living in Colorado. Uh, that is definitely like a lifetime experience and something I'm looking forward to doing here soon. Yeah. Well, when it happens, let me know. Cause, uh, my first trip to Red Rocks, I don't remember a lot of it. So I need a, I need an excuse, <laughs> a reason to go back. So when it happens, I'll be there for it. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's easy to like have a good time there, man. Like, you know, it's like such a, it's such a big place. You get to hang out in the parking lot beforehand. And, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's a great place. I can't wait. I think, I think it's going to come up soon. So I'm looking forward to that and I'll definitely be in touch with you. Where does man of the forest, where's that moniker come from? Wow. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I was looking for an artist name when I kind of started this whole project and my last name is Waldman, mm -hmm. which actually means forest man in mm. German, mm. Waldman. And uh, I took German in high school. So it was kind of like, uh, I was like always proud of my heritage and stuff. And I always thought it was like cool, like the forest man, like. Yeah, it is, it is. Um, so I just ended up kind of like switching it around and saying like man of the forest, cause I thought it was cool to be like of the forest. And I looked up on Instagram, I was like, all right, I'm gonna do man of the forest singular I looked it up that name was taken so i was like dang it that's the hardest part about coming up with the name in 2021 is that someone might already have it dude and it was like it was like this like account with five posts and zero followers so yeah, i was like yeah. created like, in 2012 just sitting there like, dormant yeah and it's like a picture of a monkey on it or something <laughs> so then i just ended up changing it to forests plural because i wanted to be of all the forests and that name was open and i was like 
man, this is going to be perfect. Like it's my last name and it's just like so original. I, um, I grew up around nature a lot being in Colorado. My parents worked at a garden center and that was my first job ever was working at a garden center. I garden a ton and self-sustainability environmentalism is something I studied in college. So really kind of just ties in all together with like my energy as a human being and my ancestral, you know, heritage. So it's been really cool, like bringing light into that. And, um, yeah, like the logo kind of reflects the vibe of everything. And I've done some really cool artwork with some friends, uh, had this really cool friend, Jen Fitzwater, and she did a watercolor ink image of a violin growing into a tree and then the sun and the moon on the outsides. Um, so yeah, it's been really cool just trying to tie the name into like all the gear and all the merch and stuff and come up with cool ideas. I dig it, man. You mentioned venues not having a lot of shows over the last year. And I know as an artist, that's got to be incredibly frustrating. So you've seen the last 18 months through your own personal struggles, but also as an artist. For you, what do you feel is the biggest life lesson you've learned from the last year and a half? And it doesn't even have to be music related, just the biggest life lesson you've learned. Yeah, I think, um, I think when, when all this stuff hit, music kind of took a downward turn. It was so easy for all of us, not even just like in the music world, but when, when COVID hit and everything shut down, restaurants and it was like, man, what the heck are we going to do? Like now that everything's shut down, like there's no chances, there's no opportunities. And like, actually sometimes when the hardest times hit is your greatest opportunity to rise. And I really found that through this whole like 18 month process, you know, with no chances, no opportunities, everybody was having that. So it was my time to make an opportunity and make a chance and make something out of nothing. And, uh, yeah, I just kind of really went for it. Like right when COVID started, I released my first single. Um, we played our first live show, uh, like our first backyard shows. And, um, I just kind of saw that like, even in the hardest times, you just got to push and push and push. And it might not happen right away. That's a general sense in life. Like, you know, sometimes it takes, a lot of patience. I mean, I'm 32 years old and I didn't start playing live performances till I was 30, almost 31. So, um, it's never too late to just go for it and just grind and just like wait for that, that little glimmer of light, that little glimpse of light and just go for it. You know, I like your philosophy of, you know, and that happened right away. It kind of happens over time. And I guess there's a, there's a word in Japan called, I hope I say it right. Kaizen, which is basically that mentality of slowly increasing constantly, making it a habit of always. Increasing. Yeah. That's, that's crazy that you bring that up. Uh, I work at Trader Joe's and our main, one of our main philosophies is the Kaizen philosophy, oh, cool, cool. which means, yeah, exactly. Like make something better than it was. Yeah. And like, that's kind of my whole like thing with life too. Like whether you're caring about the environment and picking up a piece of trash on the side of the road, you stay at somebody's house and you clean up and tidy stuff up and make sure like it looks better than when you left it. I think we all got to look for what we do in the world to make it a little bit of a better place. It's hard to make such a big impact, but if you make one little difference, man, just like the water boiling one degree, everybody's little degree, all of a sudden you're at 212 degrees and everything's boiling yeah. and everything's happening. So I think we all got to look for that little Kaizen yeah. attitude. Derek, this has been this has been so cool, man. This has been so cool. I really enjoy your personality and your outlook on life. And I feel like there's so many more questions I want to ask you. And just and, and I'm excited to see what's next. The violin inspired by John Tesh and reggae music. It's fantastic. It's so wonderful. It's tough to be original nowadays, but it's not impossible. Um, you just got to kind of dig deep for that. So, yeah, I mean, you can always stay tuned. Uh, I'm at Man of the Forests 
plural, plural. Yeah. on Instagram. Uh, you can find me Derek Waldman, W A L D M A N N on Facebook. Uh, first name's D E R E K. And then I also do have my own website, www.manoftheforest.com, um, where I kind of post uh, videos, uh, songs that I've been on, tour, my merch. Um, one thing I've been kind of doing lately, there's this really cool program down in Florida called Sugar Shack Sessions. They do live filming of bands where they just take like a live set and you just go and jam a song and it's just like all live. Um, so I have some Sugar Shack Sessions that come out with Von Alia. We have five songs out already. And then the whole K-Bong series is coming out right now. So stay tuned with the Sugar Shack. The Sugar Shack's killing it. Um, and yeah, man, I just got... Always like a little bit more coming out. Always looking to like plug away one more little little thing here and there. And um, I, I really appreciate your time, man. It's been really fun just talking with you. Your energy's great, and it's been a, it's been a fun time collaborating with you, man. One I admire how busy you are. I admire how many different projects you have going, and you're always working on different things. I think that's spectacular, and looking forward to seeing what's next. You know that that really like I feel like the violin is like the new age horn for reggae. We're like. Reggae is really attached to horns a lot, like Slightly Stupid uses horns and No Doubt used horns and everybody's like throwing horns in the mix. But then like once I started playing violin, I noticed like a couple of artists were like, oh, I'm going to do like a song with the orchestra. And then, you know, then I came out with Bittersweet and then like another reggae artist was like playing with another violinist. And I was like, I wonder what's going on here. Like people yeah. picking up on this. But I, as I know right now, I'm, I'm like the only reggae violinist out there that's playing with reggae bands. So it's kind of a cool opportunity to be like doing something so unique in a time in 2021 where you think everything's been done, but nothing has ever been done completely. There's always something new to be doing like your podcast, man. It's unique. You're taking perspectives from different people and that's not really like a common podcast that you hear. You hear so many podcasts out there just talking about like ghost stories and all this shit, but like actually collecting perspectives and stuff like that. Like to, to be doing something new and unique in today's day and age when everything is so overdone and redone and done over and over again, feels so refreshing to be doing, right? Really cool, man. This has been awesome. You know, I never know what to expect. I'm always excited to chat with people, but I, th I feel like I clicked with you and um, I love what you're doing and I'm excited to, to be along for the journey and see what's next for you. Dude, and anytime we actually just were in Phoenix like ah. two weeks ago, like we yeah. played at. Really? What did we play at? The, it's, it was like a little coffee bar during the day and then it, it was this slamming indoor venue, man. It was the most insane venue I've, it, like, I thought Phoenix, because we played Albuquerque the day before, and some of our Texas shows were, like, pretty chill for, you know, Texas isn't a reggae crowd. No. We went to Austin, and Krungbin was playing that night, and Austin has so much fucking music that we were, like, one in 80 bands there that night. So then, you know, we came to Phoenix, and it was, like, we just kind of expected another chill, like, South show, uh, you know, show in the South, and it was, like, dude, this is, like, it was so full of people. It was so incredible. Everybody was packed out. And um, it was actually the first show we played too, where like there was a vaccine mandate. So we were all kind of worried, like mm -hmm. a lot of the reggae fans or just people in general, like there's still 20% of the people that respectfully like want to do whatever they want to do. So like, you're going to lose like a lot of fans or a certain amount of fans by making a mandate like that. So we were like, man, I wonder like how many people are going to show up. And it was packed, dude. It was packed to the back. 
we'll make it a point, man. Next time you're here or next time I'm in Colorado or wherever it is. Absolutely. Um, and let me know, like if, if you're ne next time we'll play in Arizona, I'll, I'll let you know. And, um, yeah, we do have some shows in like San Diego and stuff like that, but that's quite a drive for you. So if you're ever in Denver, let me know. We can link up, man. Love to take you out, have some lunch, and just get to know you on a on a better like personal level. One hundred percent. I feel the exact same way. I, that's another big and great thing about the show. Every single guest inspires me, and I feel I'm better for every person I talk to. But I'm also hoping that along the way, make some great relationships and just have a better Absolutely. life because of it. So I think we definitely accomplished that, man. One hundred percent, my man. One percent. I mean, here we are chat, chatting an hour, or, you know, an hour total. I didn't expect that. I'm sure you didn't expect that either. But this was great. Stay up and stay <laughs> stay blessed, man. You're doing great things and really enjoy like just having the exposure and having the chance to to connect with you man I, I, we can all succeed together and we'll love to bring you back we'll chat again especially if you got whenever you're doing another project if you just want some time we can make it a short conversation whatever it is you let me know we'll, we'll do it hell yeah man thank you so much man and uh cheers let me know if you need anything else sorry brother thanks there all right man all right. see you all right. Good, man thank you thank you thank you for listening much appreciation to my man derek Really enjoyed our chat. Looking forward to catch you on stage soon. Give him a follow on social media and visit his website, manoftheforest.com. And stick around for the end of the episode to hear his rendition of Bittersweet Symphony. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento.